Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Uh, right now we're moving to a really important part of our service. Uh, we come to open up God's Word. Uh, we know that God's Word is alive, it's living, it's active, it's eternal, it never ages, it never grows old, it always speaks into our hearts and our lives and continues to shape us and mould us and recreate us into the image of Jesus Christ as God's Spirit works in His Word to affect change in our hearts. So it's a blessing that we can come and do that. We've been going through the book of Luke over the last few months and we've got a few more to go there. I'm up to Luke 11 today, so that means there's another, what, 13, 14, 13 more to go after that, so 14 more to go after that, uh, so plenty of time still in Luke. Um, let me just get this organised here. Now we were going to be doing a series on uh, towards our Gospel Ministry Centre, for those who are wondering, oh, that was sort of in that document we handed out a few weeks ago. Um, given we're not quite all able to be together in the one place at the one time, we thought we might just hold that off until we are all in person doing that. So just to answer a query there, in case, in case some people were thinking, um, I thought we are doing another sermon, another series, but no, not. we will get to that once we all get back together again. Uh, to set us up for where we're going today in Luke chapter 11, uh, this is possibly one thing you may have heard from people who don't believe in God, wouldn't call themselves a believer, not a Christian, but often do when they're faced with a desperate situation. I've read of people who aren't Christians, aren't believers, when they've been lost at sea, or lost in the, the bush somewhere, uh, and they've cried out and asked God to be rescued, to be rescued. Like, if you're out there, God, and if you're real, please save me from this ocean, save me from this bush. They do get rescued, and amazingly, some of them never bother to ever go back to God again, even though they've just answered that cry they've given to him. They've prayed. They've prayed. Uh, prayer is a powerful thing that God has given to us. Uh, but so often we start... Then we stop and we give up on praying. God didn't answer me. I didn't get what I asked for or it took too long. So I just gave up. Well, Jesus wants to teach us about prayer today in Luke chapter 11. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to chapter 11 and we're going to read from verses 1 through to 13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when when he'd finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within. Do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you though, though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend yet because of his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs and I tell you ask and it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be opened to you 
For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Lord, we thank you that we can uh, come around your word now. We ask and pray that Holy Spirit, just as we've heard you mentioned in that last line there of that passage, that you would come and bring life to this word right now as we think about prayer. That you would renew our hearts in prayer. That God, you would give us a real spirit of impudence, stickability, boldness, persistence in prayer to trust you that you answer us exactly what is required in our lives. Lord, we pray now, please, grant that now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so Jesus has set his face towards Jerusalem. Uh, He's heading for the cross to die there on our behalf. That's happened a couple of chapters back. And at the same time, Jesus is continuing here to teach and to raise up a group of disciples who will carry on the work that Jesus has begun, to see his kingdom come and grow and spread uh, throughout the world. And Luke here records us for one of the many times that Jesus is praying here uh, through the book of Luke. And for Luke, actually, it's a really important aspect that he wants to communicate to us that Jesus was a praying person, praying to his heavenly Father. And he wants us to see that today, Jesus praying. We see here in verse 1 that Jesus is praying, and at the same time, the disciples also have watched Jesus as he's been praying as well. It looks like something really perhaps stood out to them as they were seeing the way Jesus prayed at this time. Because they respond here, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? Teach us how we can pray to our Heavenly Father as well. And Jesus does just that through the rest of this passage. So here's our big idea as we think about today's uh, sermon. Persistent prayer, seeking a God-honouring life, faithfully trusting in him will grow our intimacy and our relationship with our Heavenly Father. Persistent prayer, seeking a God-honouring life, faithfully trusting in him will grow our intimacy and relationship with our Heavenly Father. Okay, so what's Jesus teaching us here? He's teaching us here a pattern of prayer early on in this passage that helps us to get prayer right from the get-go, from the very foundations of our Christian life, to get prayer right. So prayer starts, as it were, with Jesus teaching us here with a vertical relationship with God. This relationship that we have with God, it's, it's like Godward prayer directed towards God. Prayer starts with us rightly seeing who God is and what he does and what his place is in this universe. Have a look in verse 2 with me. And Jesus starts off by saying, And he said to them, When you pray, not by choice, will you pray, it's when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Jesus is saying, when we pray at the get-go, at the foundation, focus our mind on God's character. Focus our mind on the person of God right from the initial part of prayer. Remember God's pure holiness in his name. As we sung that song before, only a holy God. Get that into perspective. Get that right at the start. Remember that you're coming to a heavenly Father who is holy and loving and sovereign and a glorious treasure. Get the person of God in your heart and your mind first when you begin to pray. Get that focus there. Build that foundation. 
Secondly, when we pray, Jesus is saying, we pray that God's kingdom comes. Your kingdom come. What does that mean? What does that mean? What is Jesus saying here when he says that? This, that means that what we are praying for is the rule and reign of God's kingdom and sovereignty will be extending in my life and your life as a believer as well, as a child of God. Your kingdom come in my life, that Lord, your rule and your reign would actually grow within me, that your ways would become my ways and I would gladly sub, uh, submit to those ways. Also this... That God's kingdom and sovereignty would also be increasing and growing, not only just in me, but throughout the whole earth, all over the world. God's reign and rule of righteousness would would, uh, increase and spread and grow throughout all the earth. Jesus is saying, pray in that way. Pray right from the start here that God's name would be holy and that his kingdom would come in our hearts and lives, but also in the world around about us. Now this is really important that our prayer starts here because it starts the right foundation for us to think about who God is and where prayer takes its place in our lives. It's actually getting us to focus on our vertical relationship with God who's rescued us and saved us. Thinking, pray in that way. God at the start. And this type of focus then that Jesus calls us then to actually enables us to move on to the next line of prayer that he's going to uh, take us into with this uh, next part of the passage here. It gives us a soft heart now with this right foundation, seeking God's glory in our lives. Jesus now moves to prayer that is still God-focused, but is more directly having us involved here. It's more like our horizontal prayers, you might think, it, between each other and the various needs that we have and the relationships that we are engaged in uh, around this world. Look in verse 3 for that initially. He says this, Give us each day our daily bread. Again, what is Jesus saying here? Do we need to get out of the bakery and sort of wait out the front until the bread comes out? Possibly might happen like that. But what Jesus is really saying is this, We are dependent on God for everything. Everything. Give us this day our daily bread. In other words, Lord, please meet my needs today. And it's really important that we understand that God supplies every need that we have. We might get the bread from the bakery. All food we get ultimately comes from God. Any drink of water you have ultimately comes from God. God is the same God who supplies all the warmth and the coolness that we have in this world as well. Like when it's cold outside today and we're warm in here because we have heaters. But those heaters have been designed by men, gifted by God. And the power comes from the electricity company up on the mountain somewhere. It's all actually eventually back from what God has given to us. Praying like this teaches us to be thankful for who God is and what he supplies for us. Namely, everything. Not to, not, to not take anything for granted whatsoever. And praying like that also, Lord, give, me, uh, give us our daily bread, reminds us that we are finite beings. We're not infinite beings. We're not God. We are finite beings. And we are dependent on him for everything without fail. We're also to pray about our relationships and the challenges we're to face in this world as well. Look in verse 4 for that. Again, as Jesus is beginning to unpack this. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. Forgive us of our sins why that Jesus why do you say that does that mean I've sinned and now I'm not saved and I've got to ask for forgiveness and get saved again 
Do you mean that, Jesus? Like, am I saved? Sin, not saved. Forgive, saved. Sin, not saved. Is, it, is that the pattern? Is that Jesus? Are you saying that? No. It doesn't work like that. We're not praying like this to get saved again. We believe that the work of Christ at the cross is the finished work of Christ. His blood continues to avail us for the forgiveness of my sins. But we pray like this, Lord, please forgive my sins, because what this does, this gives us a humble and correct posture before God because of our continual sinfulness. Even as believers, we will continue to sin. We will continue to fall before God. What this does in praying this way, it gives us the right posture of humility coming before God to say, Lord, please forgive me for the sins that I've committed today. And that in turn, when we have that humble posture, keeps us in a forgiving attitude towards others who may sin against us, that we don't hold grudges against them. We try and forgive immediately because we understand that we too also are forgiven by God. It keeps us a soft heart towards others as well. And this soft heart helps them to see them, they're just like us. Just like I'm broken and faulty, so they too are broken and faulty. Just as, Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me, help me to forgive those who would sin against me as well. That's what Jesus does here. And these sort of horizontal relationships between each other. Jesus goes on and he says this also in verse 4 about not leading us into temptation. Does that mean God may lead us into temptation? We're telling God, please don't do that? No, again, God will never tempt us to sin. That is not in the nature of God at all. What Jesus is saying is this. We live in a world, we live in a world with temptations to sin on every corner and every page of life. It's just out there. It's the click of a mouse away. If the temptation to sin is just so close. But as believers... Knowing God is a holy God, as we said before, and we are being restored in his character again, we seek to live a holy life. So what do we do? We pray, Lord, please help me. Please help me not to fall to these temptations. Please help me not to fall again to these things that are sort of bombarding my my eyes and these desires that are sort of tempting me left, right and centre. Lord, please help me not to fall to these temptations. Keep me from these temptations, I pray, Lord. And therefore to bring a life that brings glory to God. You see, when we pray like that, that arms us to be alert for what's happening through the day and what we may face through the day. Prayer actually, is, as it were, um, puts this system within us that's alert to sinful temptations. Praying somehow brings this awareness now that we're alert to these things and we don't allow them to trip us up and cause us to fall over. Now we can spend a lot more time on those things here that Jesus is talking about. I know I've read earlier this week that Martin Luther wrote volumes just on those two or three verses. But I want us to pick up on the next part here, building on what Jesus has just said here, because what he says next in this little short parable is really powerful, I believe, in helping us to pray. So Jesus does follow on with this short parable here to encourage the disciples and us with prayer. And the point Jesus is going to in this little parable here is that we must be patient, persistent, and even have a shameless element about prayer before God. That's in verses 5 to 7. We're not going to bring it up for you, but we're just going to speak through this parable here. And it's a bit like this. A traveller turns up late at a friend's home. 
Now, I've got to understand what that means in the context there. Middle Eastern hospitality is a really, really big deal. I mean, to be hospitable in the Middle East is like super honourable. You've got to do the right thing. So this guy turns up in the middle of the night. It's late. So when they come, you've got to offer these people a bed and you've got to offer these people something to eat. That's just part of the deal. But the host has got no bread. He's got a bed, but no bread. And he knows his friend up the road has got some bread. He says, I'm going to go up there and I'm going to wake up my friend and get some bread. But it's midnight. Everybody's asleep. But that makes no difference. He can't leave his traveller without a meal. That's part of Middle Eastern hospitality. So he goes up the road and he starts knocking on the door of his friend. Hey, I need some bread. I need some bread. Let me have some bread. The friend says back, it's midnight. It's midnight. We're all asleep and I'm not getting you any bread. I'm not getting out of bed for this. The host, though, won't stop at that first pushback. It's now 12.30am. He's been knocking on the door for quite a while and he keeps calling out to his friend, I need some bread. I've got a traveller who's come, a friend who's come, and I need to give some bread. He begins to throw rocks in the river and he now bangs on the door. Bread. The host is shameless. By now he's woken up all the neighbours as well. They know exactly what he wants too. Not only his friend, but the neighbours know that as well. They're hearing this guy call out for bread. But the host isn't worried about that. He doesn't care who is hearing what's going on. He's persistent. He's impudent. You might be asking what's that word mean? He's, he's shameless. And Jesus says there in verse 8, even though they're friends, that hasn't got him the bread. What's got him the bread is this absolute persistence and just banging on the door, crying out, I need some bread. It's like the host is just not worried who hears him or who listens to him. Jesus says it's because of this that he's received his bread. So what's Jesus doing? He's commending to us to be persistent, to be bold and to be brave with impudence, as that word he uses there, which is like shameless praying. And then Jesus follows that up here in verse 9 when he uses these words like ask, seek and knock. Ask, seek and knock. These are what we all call present active verbs. It's a continuous action. It's not just once off. It's coming before the throne of God and continually asking, as it were, begging on the door, metaphorically. It's coming back with a persistence in prayer, long seasons of prayer for the same things. And I'm sure all of us have long seasons of prayer where we have things we just haven't got an answer to at this point in time. Whether it's an unsaved loved one, Jesus is saying, keep praying about that. Keep persisting in that. Be bold about that. Keep sticking in there with prayer. Before we go any further than this, I just want to throw some questions here as we think about prayer. Because we might say, well that seems simple enough, Jesus, to pray the Lord's Prayer, those things, to have the focus of God first and thinking about our horizontal relationships as well. But why this next aspect, Jesus, why this next aspect here of persistent, uh, this persistent patient pathway for prayer, why that path? Why do we have to be so bold? Why do we have to be so sort of banging on the door, as it were? Couldn't you just save all this painful waiting? All this painful stuff of just what's going to happen and just answer us immediately? Couldn't you just do that, Jesus? 
This is the way God has always been right throughout scripture, if you look at the way he's worked in people's lives. Jacob wrestled all night with God in prayer. All night with him in prayer. Hannah wept in desperation in her prayer as she came before the Lord with her needs. Ezra, another one, he tore his clothes through intense prayer over the sins of the nation. Again, reflecting this desperation in prayer. And Epaphras, we're told in the New Testament, he says there, he often wrestled in his prayers for the Colossian church. It's just been God's way right throughout the Bible that he calls for this long seasons of intense prayer. Now we, we might ask ourselves, well, well, what is God doing then in this patient persistence? Through this longevity, through this sort of extreme um, times of prayer where we just seem to be just going back time and time again and nothing's happening. We don't seem to be hearing anything. What are we doing in this? Are we earning some sort of prayer points in persistence? Like the more I persist, the more points I cruise. It's a bit like prayer flybys. Am I gaining some reward here? If I just get the right amount of points, bingo, I now get the answer. If I just sweat a bit more, if I just cry a bit harder, if I just pray a bit longer, then do I get the answer? Is that what God's trying to do here through this patient, persistent prayer? No. There aren't any pray harder, get more stuff in your life the way God works. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Here's what's often happening with us in these long seasons of patient, persistent prayer. God is often shaping our heart. He's remodeling our heart. He's transforming our heart during this process of patient persistence. As we patiently come faithfully before God in prayer, amazingly we can sense that the Holy Spirit is softening and reshaping our heart through these seasons of patience and persistence. It can be like this. Uh, Maybe there's a person who's really upset you. They've said something or they've done something to you and it's just really ticked you right off to the point where you're actually losing sleep at night and you're reliving that conversation all over again. You're going through that whole action all over again where they've really annoyed you. It's like you can't shift this thing out of your mind. As we come before the Lord and patiently and persistently bring this before him in prayer, it's amazing how God changes us during that season of prayer. It never ceases to amaze me the way he changes my heart in those times. I know what happens. Where before anger was beginning to eat me up because I'm planning how I can get back at this person or what I can say in retaliation or what I can do, that as I pray persistently and praying for that particular person, uh, I, I now sense God's presence reassuring me of his purposes through whatever situation I had to go through. He's reassuring me that he's in control of that. And then what I find is my own heart's beginning to change toward that person, no longer angry, but somewhat feeling sorry for them, for the way they've reacted in that situation. I see God changing me through that patient season of persistent prayer. Had I not gone through that patient season, God may never have changed me in that way. But he uses that time to do that. Something else with prayer. Why do I find prayer a struggle? Why do I find I can't keep at it with prayer? Why do I find I just seem to give up so easily at times and I just forget all about it? What are some of the barriers for us when it comes to praying, particularly long, sustained, persistent prayer? 
Here's a few possibilities, and you might find yourself in here, as I do from time to time. Particularly in our Western culture, uh, comfort and ease are a major barrier for us in prayer. They are a major barrier, comfort and ease. We've got life so comfortable, and pretty well everything at our fingertips, we seemingly don't have to pray for anything where we are. Even today in lockdown, and last week when the lockdown was even further, we can actually just go on our device and order something online and it gets delivered to our door. We still have comfort and ease despite the lockdown situations we're in. We have an abundance of food. We have a vast array of material possessions at our disposal. In Western culture, we live in comfort and ease. What's the result of that? We actually don't see the need for prayer because everything just sort of happens to come to us really easily we don't see the need to pray for anything and then what happens we just slip right out of the habit of praying comfort and ease is a barrier to prayer the antidote for that is this ask the lord ask the lord in prayer for a renewed vision of my need what's my need i need to grow in holiness i need to grow in gospel shaped character ask God to reveal that need to my heart and my life and he will and that will surely lead us to prayer taking these distractions away ask the Holy Spirit to open my eyes up to the vast need that surrounds us here in the Goulburn Valley what need is that? it's the unsaved thousands that are around about me that will surely when I see that need and God will begin to reveal that need to me just walk down the mill or down the Shep Lake when we're able to do that publicly and see these numbers of people around about you and just ask yourself I wonder how many of these people are following Jesus and I wonder where they'll be if they were to die tonight and you'll see a need begin to arise in your heart a need for the gospel Another barrier to prayer is this. We can lack the discipline to pray. Uh, Some of us live undisciplined lives. Prayer just becomes something I do when I remember to do it. And if that's the case, I'll only pray when my mind is prompted. And in a world where there's so many other things prompting my mind, prayer won't actually be prompted within my mind and it won't normally come to my attention. Therefore, I actually just don't pray. If it's only something I do when I think to do it or remember to do it. Prayer doesn't work like that. For prayer to work, you've actually got to put a plan in place for it to happen. It's just like going to work. You don't just happen to go to work, do you? What do we do? We put a plan in place to go to work. Normally the first thing we do is we set the alarm clock the night before. We lay all our clothes out on the bed right beside us. Some of you do that? No, no. I do, it's alright. We lay our clothes out, some of us do. And the alarm clock goes off, we put our clothes on, we go and have breakfast, hop in the car and then go to work. It's a plan. We actually have to do that. We put the wheels in motion to get to job on, uh, our job on time. For prayer, we should do the very same thing. Set a time and a place for prayer. Make it work with you with how you best function. Some people are morning people. Some people are night people. My good friend Ben sitting in front of me, he tells me he's a morning person. No, no, Ben's a night person. (laughs) Some of us are different. 
morning or night. Make it work best for you and how you best function. If it's morning, I happen to be a morning person, set a time and place that's convenient to pray. Some people tell me, I just found a spot down near the river and I love to go down there and pray. Well, that might work every now and again, but for a regular time of prayer, that won't work. You just won't have the time to actually set up to go to your favourite place to pray. I would say, find somewhere around your home, comfortable and convenient, and pray. Make it a habit. Turn off all the other distractions, notifications on your phone and everything else, and then build a discipline into your life to pray. And that prayer time also then must become a non-negotiable aspect of your life. It's got to be like that. Because if you don't actually set those parameters in place, other things will jump in. Have a guess what? You won't pray. It'll just stop. Another barrier that is in, um, for us that is growing our relationship with God isn't a priority for us. So another barrier for prayer here is that growing our relationship with God isn't a priority for us. Part of our brokenness, again, is that we are easily distracted by all the pleasures of this world, and there are a million pleasures in this world. No question about that. And when that happens, when we're distracted by all these other fun things and pleasurable things, here's what happens with God. He's like at the top of the ladder, and he drops down with cog. And he drops in another cog because we've got all these other pleasures just crowding in and God keeps falling down the queue. We're not making God a priority to grow in our relationship with him. Because he's not high on our agenda, we don't develop our relationship with him through prayer. But here's the beautiful thing that happens through patient prayer. Intimacy and relationship are fostered and grown with God through prayer. It's like a hothouse. It's like this wonderful environment where things can grow and flourish when we actually commit ourselves to prayer. What is prayer again? It is one with one conversation. It's intimacy, isn't it? Praying is coming before God in conversation and spending time with him by simply speaking to him. You don't need a Bible college degree to pray. You just need to be able to speak and talk. My wife and I have a great relationship. Why is that? We have lots of conversations with each other. We spend lots of time talking with each other about all aspects of life. We have a great relationship. That's how you grow and deepen a relationship, isn't it? You spend time with somebody. You speak with somebody. It's the same with God. And particularly, particularly when we're in this prolonged, consistent, persistent season of prayer, it's a work that the Holy Spirit does within us, deepening our relationship with him, deepening our relationship with God. What happens is we become more aware of God's presence with us through prayer. It just happens as we commit ourselves to that. That's the work that God does. We become more aware of his love in our lives as we spend longer time in prayer, in persistent seasons of prayer. We actually become more aware of his guidance and his will for our lives through prayer as we commit ourselves to these seasons of prayer. We grow in our trust with God that he has my life perfectly in his hands no matter what is happening through prayer. 
Our relationship grows with God as we pray. Look at how Jesus here finishes this passage for us as he shows us this. Look in verse 10. He says here this, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to one who knocks it will be opened. It's a very confident verse. Supremely confident verse. God answers our prayers as we shamelessly and persistently come to him with our same request, which often can be like that. I've got people I've been praying for now for nearly 40 years in my life, praying the same prayer basically every day. God gloriously hears and answers our prayers. Verse 10 there says, Everyone who asks, receives. Seeks, finds. Knocks, opened. And then he goes on to say this in verses 11 to 13. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus here is rock-solid confidence that God hears and answers our prayers. How much more will God do this? He's not an evil father like we are in this world because of our brokenness and sinfulness. He's a perfect father. He gives. God answers all of our prayers. Every single prayer that you pray, he perfectly answers without fail. The prayers we've uttered here today, not one of those prayers, as it were, bounces around the four walls of this room and then just falls to the ground unanswered. That just doesn't happen. God answers every single prayer that you pray. What is the answer? Yes. No. And not yet. Yes. He will answer sometimes and we'll get what we're asking for, for what we're praying for. Sometimes there'll be no, you won't get what you're praying for. And sometimes it's wait, it's not yet. It's a great place to be. It's a really powerful place to be when you develop this relationship with God. That is where we can trust in our Heavenly Father and His good sovereignty over our lives, that His answers are perfectly suited for where we are at in life. We don't have to be flustered. We don't have to be thinking everything's out of control. We actually can rest in that. Real rest. Beautiful, sovereign rest that quiets my soul no matter what's happening. Here's one prayer that God will always answer with a yes and give liberally. You'll get an instantaneous yes and you'll, you'll be given it liberally. Have a look in verse 13 again. He says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke's got another big thing he likes to talk about here. It's about the Holy Spirit, which is really important for us. We pray to God and we ask God, please, for the Holy Spirit to increase in our lives. Please, Lord, increase your spirit in our lives. We ask for the presence of God to grow within us. And that's a great prayer we should pray every day. We should ask, Lord, please let your spirit grow within my life, grow within my heart, grow within my person. And God's answer to prayer to that will be like this. 
He will increase our love and our desire for God's word. That's the first start where God answers that prayer, to grow a love for his word. And as we increase in our knowledge of God, understanding who he is through the Bible, the awareness of God's spirit and God's presence within us begins to grow and increase within us. You can sense it. And when that happens, as God's spirit grows within us through living in God's word, what happens next is the power and the peace of God begins to grow in our heart and life as well. To enable us to live for him just as he called us to. And then completely resting and trusting in his goodness. I, could, I can't say how many times this happens. Countless times. When I have no idea what to do next. Uh, over the last 10 years with the church, there have been many times like that. Challenging, difficult times. If I just stop in humble prayer and say, Lord, please, I have no idea what to do next. Can you just grant me wisdom and can you grant me guidance on how to step forward in this next conversation with this person? How to deal with this situation? It's amazing how God's peace just comes into your heart to say, I'm not carrying this. God's carrying me and he's carrying whatever that issue is I'm facing. It's powerful the way it works. We just humbly trust him in that. He answers that prayer. I've still got to face the situation, but it's not like it's a crushing burden for me now. God's spirit is actually with me through that trial and through that challenge. It's amazing how that happens, and it's powerful. Let me just close here with a short story. Uh, Some of you may know a lady by the name of Karen Pang. Now, she's a Christian and she's been the host of Play School for 18 years. So some of you young mothers would um, perhaps see her there. Um, she has suffered, this is Karen Pang, she has suffered with chronic debilitating bipolar mental health issues nearly all of her adult life. Amazing. She's ranged from sort of manic, frantic activity, just energy galore, to really low depressive, major depressive seasons in her life. And interviewed recently, she actually reflected on her journey through this suffering time, which has been years and years and years. And this is what she had to say, and you can put that up now if you like, uh, Kath. She says this, I still have my days, but I feel quite stable now, steadfast. I think the Bible would put it something like quietness. Quietness and stillness are essential in this experience with bipolar. It's not only the opposite of bipolar, But it's what the Bible teaches us is the best place to be. And also, note this, to be on your knees. Because as Jesus says, bring me the brokenhearted, bring me those who are weak. Being on my knees has been the best place to be. Prayer has made it possible for me to be able to live in this space. It's a really powerful picture of someone suffering debilitating mental health issues. And she says, it's prayer that communicates God's grace into my life to be able to get through this season. And she's been having it now probably 30 years. A long, persistent, patient season of just crying out before the Lord, give me strength, give me strength to go again another day. And what does she say there? On my knees is where I've found that strength. So why would we not pray? Why would we not commit ourselves to persistent, bold prayer towards a loving Heavenly Father? Why would we allow all these other distractions that come into our life and then see us cut off from God's grace because we don't pray?
It's a glorious father, a loving father who opens himself up to us to simply come before him and pray. That's what Jesus is doing here with the disciples today. He's not going to be with them much longer. He wants to let them into a really powerful aspect of their growth in their life, prayer. As simple as finding a quiet place and beginning to speak to our Heavenly Father and experience his grace flooding into our lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that what I'm doing right now, Lord, by simply speaking to you, is amazingly powerful. God, I don't deserve one thing in this world. I don't deserve the next breath I'm about to take. But you, in your loving grace, give me that next breath. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve to be rescued. But you, in your loving, sovereign grace, before the foundation of the world, have chosen me, have called me, have elected me, have called me into your kingdom, not because of anything that I have done, but purely out of your free, sovereign grace and love, you've called me. And not only that, Lord, you call me into this ongoing relationship now of trusting in you and turning away from sin, growing in intimacy with you. And Father, I thank you and I praise you for the countless times of prayer where I did not know where to go next or what to say or what to do. And I've simply sometimes come before you just with tears and nothing else. And what did you do? God, you gave me your grace. Father, please, please help us to pray. Please help us to make a time, make a place and pray. And not only that, Lord, please help us throughout the day to have lots of time of prayer. Just simply, Lord, the next appointment, the next thing I've got to do to stop in the car, to stop in the hallway and say, Lord, please help me to say the right things. Please help me to think the right things. Please help me to love the person in front of me, Lord. Please help me to honour you. And Lord, we can just say that in a matter of seconds. And the glorious thing, Lord, is you answer that prayer. You give us your spirit to guide us and lead us through whatever we are about to face. God, we can never be thankful enough for this wonderful avenue of prayer. We ask today, Lord, just as Luke has written and recorded for us, just as Jesus has said, How much more will the Father give us his Holy Spirit? We ask, Holy Spirit, come and grow in our hearts and our lives. Make us more like Christ, and may we live lives that reflect his glory into this world. And Lord, we thank you that you will answer that prayer for us today. Lord, for those who have struggled with prayer, for those today who have 
fallen off the horse, as it were. Lord, pray, please help them to get back on. Help them to know that you're a loving and forgiving Heavenly Father and you delight when we come before you and pray. Help not to feel condemned by that, Lord, but Lord, to want to come back and to pray. Today, Father, we ask that, we pray that in the name of your beautiful Son who gave his life up for us on the cross so that we could pray. In his name we pray. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.